So we're, we're beginning with um, the first catechism question, which is, what is the human condition of men? And uh, Megan, would you, who had the uh, Genesis 1? Would you read that? Twenty-six through twenty-seven. Genesis one. Then God said, "Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creature, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." So God created man in His own image, in the image of God He created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, so fundamentally, human beings, mankind, man and woman, are made in God's image. And this is fundamental to the church, Christian culture, uh, fundamental to God's teaching. So God made things good, God did not create confusion. God created male and female. Uh, Adam and Eve are, were created good and without sin. Okay? So that is fundamental. Uh, who would like to read Genesis 3, 1 through 13? I'll read that. I'll read that. Genesis 3, 1 through 13. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. But God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to her eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then their eyes were both opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard a sound in the garden, the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the spirit of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God said to man, and, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard a sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman that you gave me uh, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me. So we see two, two things about, about mankind. 
uh, one created in God's image. And two, fallen. So who, who had Psalm 14? Me. Read that for me. For us. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abomin abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. So we can think of good as 100% purity. Okay? And if you drop uh, cyanide drops in a clear glass of water, it still looks clear. But who would drink it if they knew there was cyanide in it. We wouldn't. It's polluted. Man is not as bad as he could be, but man is in bondage to sin, and man is polluted, fallen, broken. Can I ask a question? Yes, ma'am. Just because when you were reading about we're made in God's image, is it because of sin, because of Adam, that some people have handicaps, or you know, as, as you get old, you know, your judgment isn't as good, or you do things that aren't really good. But, you know, so so everything <laughs> that is broken, not perfect, malformed, uh, not wise, uh, is because of the fall. So the fall has a pervasive effect on all that is a human being. So down to genetics, down to uh, death, um, uh, the garden was a pristine, perfect place where God and man were to meet. And Adam was kicked Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden and all that is that leads to death that causes death that is death that is malformed that is broken uh, that causes frustration is because of the fall now <clears throat> these two things are are to be taught in tandem that we're created in God's image, and that we are broken and fallen. Because people do good things. And that's because that's how we were originally created. But none of the good things that human beings do are perfectly good. So we may give to charity, but somewhere deep down inside, our motivations are not 100% pure. So we may be giving to charity to look good in the community, to uh, get our balance sheet in order so when, when we meet God on Judgment Day, 
we have some good marks on our side. So we do good things. And the uh, theologians call the good things that we do civilly good. Good in the civil uh, realm, in the human realm. But the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the picture there is uh, a target and no one hits a bullseye. In fact, no one even comes close to hitting the target. Uh, you see people that will uh, sit, that will swim across the English Channel or swim across Lake Michigan or Lake Erie. Um, that is an amazing feat. But in order to reach God, it's not a ordeal like swimming across the English Channel. It's like swimming from here to China. It's an impossibility. So no one can reach God by their good works. Uh, who has, did someone have Romans 3? Okay. Thank you. Romans 3, I'm sorry, Romans 1, 18 through 23. Romans 1, 18 through 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, but God has shown it to them, because because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely (coughs) his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. And then Romans 3, 9 through 23. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In the paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Keep going. 2.23. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
So God is the one who creates the standard of right and wrong, not us. Okay? Uh, I heard a theologian say, you know, we, we should receive the Bible, read the Bible, and then shut up. <laughs> and if you don't like what the Bible says, it's not the Bible's fault. The onus is on you, not the Bible. <clears throat> Do you agree with that? Yeah. That we should read the Bible and well, we, shut up? Well, in, in, a, what, in what he was saying, that the Bible is the standard. It is right and true, and it teaches us the truth. So years ago, I heard a young man say, you know, I like having sex. And God created me this way. He wasn't married. I mean, sex is a good thing within the bounds that it was created for, which is marriage between a man and a woman. And he said, and God created this created me this way. Therefore, this is a good thing for me to go out and have sex with women that I'm not married to. And that is a pervasive thought today. That we're all monsters and God created us this way and we're all good. Well, that's not accurate. Man was created good, but sin created, uh, sin caused us to be in a fallen, broken state. And unless we really understand the situation that hum- humanity is in by, by just being born, no one seeks after God. No one does what is right. No, not one. No one. This isn't a hyperbole. Paul's <laughs> quoting from the Psalms. No one seeks after God. And you say, well, I seek after God. The reason you seek after God is because God is working in you. You don't seek after God on your own. You seek your own uh, gratification. And there are people that claim to seek after God that are not seeking after the true God. Every person has a spiritual appetite. And why are there so many religions in the world? Because man has created them in their own image. So we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are not righteous. We are not, uh, we do not pursue after God. But we do reflect like a cracked mirror, God's image. And God loves us. So God could have left us with perfect justice in that fallen state. And every time a person dies, they go directly to the place they deserve, which is hell. There'll be be no people in hell that do not deserve to be there. But God. But God who is rich in his mercy because of the love with which he loved us, 
even though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, saved us by grace. So let's go on to the second question. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that God loves the world and offers salvation from sin through his son Jesus Christ. So the good news is opposed to the bad news. The bad news is that humanity has been cut off by God, cut off from God by self-centered rebellion against him, leading to lawless living, guilt, shame, death, and the fear of judgment. That's the bad news. The good news is that God loves the world and offers salvation from sin through his son, Jesus Christ. So let's go first uh, to 1 Corinthians. No, let's go first to uh, John chapter 3. And I added another verse. I will... The more you learn about Anglicanism, the more you will realize that it is a, a big tent faith. Unlike the Roman Catholic Church, unlike the Presbyterian Church, where there is a document, and you have to believe, unlike the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, there is a document, and you must believe every word of the document. Can you say that sentence again? Unlike the Roman Catholic Church, unlike the Presbyterian Church, unlike the many Lutheran churches, they have documents, their doctrinal standards, and you must agree with every single word, or you're not in communion with them. The Anglican faith, from its beginning, mm. was a big tent religion. You said Missouri Synod? Yeah. Was like that too? Yes. Mm. So when I, I was, when we had the ecumenical prayer meeting here a few weeks ago, I got flack from Missouri Senate friends of mine. Why? Because there was a Roman Catholic. And why would you pray with a Roman Catholic? Everything they're involved in is a sham, this person said. This is not anything new. This has been, this has been going on. So I'm not saying that we're great and they're bad. Okay, they are following the Lord as they as they believe they should follow Him, but the nature of Anglicanism, Thomas Cramner, had a a country that was influenced by the Reformation, but still had a lot of Roman Catholics in it, and he wanted to have everyone in the same church, and so some of the some of the catechism questions are a little more vague than I would like them. Okay? Can you explain what the big tent means? What your analogy? There are people who are basically uh, Presbyterian, but they use the prayer book. There are people that are basically Roman Catholic who don't believe in the infallibility of the Pope or purgatory. There are people that are Methodists. There are what we call classical Anglicans. We're all in one big tent. Okay. And there's a diversity of teaching. So you can have in the same 
church, clergy that believe in speaking in tongues, and clergy who don't believe in speaking in tongues. What do you believe? We're on we're on catechism question number two on the gospel. Um, there are clergy that believe in women's ordination and don't believe in women's ordination. There are people that believe there are seven sacraments and there are people that believe there are two sacraments. And we're all in the same church trying to live together. So it's, it's difficult and complicated. But also, I mean, I don't know if there's a perfect, obviously there's no perfect situation, but personally, I would rather th- that, you know, people are making decisions based on what they think the Bible is saying versus you have to believe this document, and if you don't, you can't be a part of our church. Right. Because that, I think... No, I love sitting in a room with people who don't agree with me on everything because I can gain insight from them. I may think they're wrong on certain things, uh, but I probably have blind spots also. So to have, uh, you know, a, a United Methodist in there talking... And saying, wow, I never thought of it that way. So John, John 3, 16, and I added 18. So on ours it says 16 through 17. Please go ahead. Through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to con- condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So for some reason, verse 18 wasn't in that passage. Verse 18 is fundamental, because it sets the stage for why the gospel is so important. If you have verse 17, it says... Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn. See, Jesus isn't a a condemner. Well, the reason he didn't come into the world to condemn is because everyone's already condemned. So he doesn't have to condemn. Okay? So the natural state of a human being outside of Christ is, is a state of condemnation. And God's love motivated the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to send Jesus... To pay for the sins of the world. Okay? So. 19 through 21 is so incredible because it's talking about the light and the judgment. And mm-hmm. So let's turn to, um, quickly, let's look at, at 1 Corinthians 15. First one. So 1 Corinthians 15, so Jesus came into the world to pay to pay for the sins of the world. Well, how did he do that? What verse are you looking at? 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 5. Okay. Okay, so Jesus paid for the sins of the, of the whole world. 
How did he do that? Well, Paul tells us. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you now stand, by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the words I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I deliver to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, and that he was buried and he was raised in the third day in accordance with Scripture. And he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve, and he appeared to um, 500 brothers at one time. So the gospel that Paul received, he received it from Jesus. He passed on to the church in, in Corinth, the church in Ephesus, the church in Colossae, the church in Philippi, church in Rome. And that gospel is saving people. And we need to hold on to that gospel. It's easy to be deceived, even if you've already believed in that gospel. Well, what is that gospel? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, and then he was buried and he was raised again on the third day. So Christ's death, burial, and resurrection paid for our sins. That is the gospel in a nutshell. That's the name of that's the name of your coffee shop, DBR. DBR. Mm -hmm. Death, burial, resurrection. Gospel, yep. gospel in a nutshell. Gospel in a nutshell. Gospel in a nutshell. DBR. I was so, going to call it silly beans. But. <laughs> <laughs> any any questions about that? Why does he add in accordance with the scriptures? <clears throat> because he, Paul, one of Paul's jobs is to have a retort for the Jews who were saying that this is a new doctrine, that you're just making this stuff up. And Paul went around, when he would go to a town, he would find the Jewish synagogues, and he would go there, worship with them, and then they would open it up for visiting rabbis to preach, and he would preach. And so he was always asserting the fact that he didn't invent this. He received it from Jesus. And what G Jesus' whole life was following the Old Testament prophecies of Scripture. Jesus fulfilled numerous, numerous prophecies from the Old Testament. So it wasn't something new. It was something old being fulfilled. Okay, so we got through two. That was my plan. We'll continue next week at, at the effects of sin. Let us pray. Father, as we enter worship this morning, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be upon us, that we would have ears to hear, that we would be built up in our faith, that Christ would speak to us through our ears, that Christ would feed us through the bread and wine, and that we would be equipped to be your witnesses in this world.
Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Is that Pyrex? Pretty hard name. It is. So, uh, it's my roommate. My roommate. Do they come in bigger sizes? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You can get Big a, old Jonah pack a bundle for the reading of today. With with lids. for bringing my layer weight jacket. I don't know. I was going to